I went to a concert on a Saturday night with the LA Philharmonic and heard one of my favorite symphonies, Beethoven's Symphony Number no. 7. It makes me cry, it's so beautiful. And I'm sitting there looking at these orchestra members and I say, what a gift, imagine to be able to play an instrument so well that you got into an orchestra like the LA Philharmonic and got to play this beautiful music. So here you are, you're a violinist or you play the tuba or whatever you play and you go to a, a rehearsal or you go to a tryout and, and say, well, what, what do I get if I join this orchestra? And the conductor just looks and says, you get to play music. You get to play music. Or you're an athlete, volleyball, golf, whatever it is, uh, uh, a team member, though, of some sort, and you go before the coach who, who is going to be hiring people, and you show off what you can do, and you're really good, and they want to hire you, so you say, well, what do I get if I join the team? And they say, you get to play basketball. You get to play basketball. Isn't that enough? So, here we come before God. We come into the temple of the Lord, and here we are praising God. And we might ask, God, what do we get if we really begin to practice our faith? And he says, you get to feel my love every day. Feel my love. Now, isn't that enough? But listen to the litany, the promises that were to come upon the people when the Messiah would come. The desert and parched land will exult. The steppe will rejoice and bloom. They'll bloom with abundant flowers. They'll rejoice with joyful song. The glory of Lebanon will be given to them, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They'll see the glory of the Lord and the splendor of our God. Strengthen the hands that are feeble. Make the knees that are weak. Say to those whose hearts are frightened, be strong, fear not. Here is your God. He comes with vindication, with divine recompense. He comes to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be open. The ears of the deaf will be clear. The, the lame will leap like a stag. Then the, it goes on and on. That's what you get when you believe in the promises of God. And this is what the people believed in for hundreds of years. The Messiah will come and everything will change. Everything will change. And then we have this story of Jesus. And it's one of my absolute favorite. What a drama. If, if I were going to dramatize any gospel in all of the gospel, it'd be this one. I love it. There's Jesus in the midst of these people in the house that the, the walls are packed with people. The doors are packed. Nobody can get in. It's just jam-packed as he's teaching. And they're all listening, and they're all paying attention. And then outside, this commotion, because this man who's lying on a cot, because he's totally paralyzed, there's uh, men carrying him on this cot. And they get to the house, and they're, can you let us in? Nobody's listening. That isn't Jesus. Get out. And so the man on the cot, I assume, is the one who says, take me on that roof and take up that roof and let me down in front of Jesus. So they do it. They climb up on this roof. They lift up his body on the cot. They undo the thatched roof. And then they lower him right in front of Jesus. Whoa, what a scene. What a story. And then Jesus just says this. Wow. Your sins are forgiven. That moment, what, what, what did the man feel that was paralyzed? I want to walk. But Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Now, in my opinion, 
Jesus was the great teacher, the great storyteller, the great spiritual guide and leader, and the one who provoked everybody. He pushed the buttons. When he said that, he was saying, I think, a deep truth, because I think the root of all illness in the world is sin. I really do. Uh, long before someone kills somebody, they've dwelt on their hatred. Long before somebody cheats somebody, they've just grown in their selfishness. Long before somebody says something prejudicial against another culture, uh, they, have, they have just reveled in their negativity and hatred toward others and someone different from themselves. Long before anything gets acted out, it's alive in our hearts. It's alive in our hearts, and that's where sin affects us. And we have the power to stand in the face of sin and say, no, no. And we often do. Anybody here robbed a bank this week? Anybody killed anybody? No. There's a lot of no's out there. But there's also a lot of yeses. And I think that Jesus was trying to teach something profound. And I believe even if the Pharisees and scribes hadn't said anything, he would have healed this man. But he went first for the deepest truth of all. And he said to him, your sins are forgiven. And I'll tell you, to be released from sin deep within is amazing. To decide, I no longer have to hate this person. From this day forward, I will forgive completely. You know, I don't like this person. They drive me crazy, but I'm going to pray for them daily. Wow, what freedom of spirit, what liberation that Jesus teaches us. So when the scribes and Pharisees begin to criticize him, and of course they would, I mean... Uh, they said, I mean, their argument, who but God alone can forgive sins? Who does he think he is? And then the climactic moment that I think Jesus was setting them up for to make many points, but he says, what's easier to say? I mean, to say, if I say, your sins are forgiven, can anybody see the forgiveness of sin in a person? No. But to say to a paralyzed man, get up and walk, which is easier to say, it's this one, because there's no way of proving it. But this one, if the man doesn't get up and walk, then you're a fool. You just said something silly. So he says, but to prove that I can say this, I will say this. Get up and walk. Take your mat and go home. And he does. And he does. So their jaw drops and everybody is in wonder and says, whoa. Maybe it's, maybe it's true this man can forgive sin. And for that matter, can't we all? If somebody hates us, can we forgive them? And if they're willing to accept our forgiveness, they're healed of that sin. Now, we participate with Jesus the Christ in so many ways, not only to receive that kind of forgiveness ourselves, but to give it and share it with others. So today, the second week of Advent, what a story to lead us into this second week. What do we expect when we come to let Jesus the Christ really into our hearts? You go to the orchestra and say, what am I going to get if I join this orchestra? You get to play music. Ain't that enough? Or what do I, what do I get if I join the team? You get to play basketball. Play basketball. Don't you love that? That's enough.
what happens if we really come to follow this Jesus the Christ, to know this Jesus Christ, and to live out what he calls us to live out as the Christ? Please stand.